you want to follow along in a Bible this morning, we have some available at each of the corners of the sanctuary. And our text this morning comes from John 1, which can be found on page 70 in the second set of page numbers, if you're using one of our pew Bibles. So John 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, before this world's days even began, your word was in the beginning and it was with you, and it was you. The mystery of that brings us to our knees. Yet today, you allow us to open your word and know you better. So we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us hearts open to your spirit as we seek you. Amen. So we're in this kind of waiting Sunday where the calendar worked out this year that after Christmas we had two more Sundays before the season of Epiphany starts, because Epiphany is tomorrow. So we just missed getting into this next season. So we have this kind of second Sunday after Christmas. And so the passage that the lectionary places before us is the perfect one. As the first half is actually the Christmas story told in John's style. And then it starts to move us 
into what Epiphany will bring. Now, John's Christmas story doesn't really look like the Christmas stories that we're used to. We're much more familiar with Matthew's and Luke's of that narrative story of Mary and Joseph in the manger with the animals and the shepherds and baby Jesus lying in the hay. And it paints this really beautiful picture that's very quaint. We have lots of nativities that we put in our homes. I have a magnetic one my mom bought that goes on the fridge where we can move the wise men closer as Epiphany comes to us. That, for us, is Christmas. For John, Christmas is this big mystery of this being who is God, but not God the Father, but still the one God through whom everything in the world was created. And yet he comes to the world. And he leaves us kind of in that mystery of, it doesn't really make sense. But we're just left in awe of how great and amazing this God is, that God would send himself but his son in this human form in the earth that was created through him. And then he moves on to the benefits, talking about the grace, the ability to be called children of God. But before we get to the grace, we have verses 10 and 11. So he set up this beautiful Christmas story. He's saying, we're celebrating Christmas. It's great. Jesus has come. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. Still being in this season of Christmas, those words feel somewhat harsh. (laughs) We accepted Jesus. We just spent most of December celebrating his coming. Even places in our cities that aren't necessarily Christian give a nod to it in their decorations, in the music that is played, in the vacations that most of us get from work. How can you say we didn't receive him? And yet I wonder how many of us received him, were excited about Jesus coming to the manger, and then left Jesus in the manger. There's been this cultural movement, at least in the U.S., I think I've seen bits of it in Canada, of putting Christ back in Christmas. We work really hard to make sure that the season doesn't just become 
the secular thing, but that the reason for the season is still Jesus. But do we take Jesus with us as we move forward? Or do we kind of say, that was great. I love Advent. I love Christmas. I'm going to celebrate the new year, go back to focusing on the things that I want, and then when Lent comes around, I'll repent of it, and then we'll celebrate Jesus on the cross. Because it also falls at this time of the secular new year. Our calendars turn over. There's kind of this tradition of New Year's resolutions. And I looked at a couple different surveys that found what some of the top resolutions were. And on just about all of them, the top three were about dieting and weight loss, fitness goals, and saving money. None of these are bad in and of themselves. But coming off of this amazing season of celebrating Jesus, of talking about God coming into the world and changing everything, we kind of fall back into our routine selfish things of what do I want? What do I need? And we also show a part of our human nature, which is that part of we're not always very good at following through on things. Because the number of people whose resolution is one that they had in the past, that they just didn't see through, and now they're trying again, I bet would be a decent number. In the last week of last year, on the pastor's Facebook page, there were some memes going around about year-long scripture reading plans and how if your New Year's resolution to read through the whole Bible hadn't quite worked the way you imagined, here's how you could read two-thirds of the Bible in three days (laughs) so that you could still get it in. Because that is our nature. We often have these great Goals. We have these great aspirations. We're moved to do something for about four days. And then the weekend comes, our friend invites us out, work starts again, we get busy, we get stressed, and those things fall by the wayside. All of the hype and the joy and even the peace that comes from Jesus coming often gets left at the manger as we go back to our daily lives. And this morning, John is reminding us that it's more than that. That as Christians, we don't get to just celebrate Jesus in the manger and Jesus on the cross. But that we need to proclaim and celebrate Jesus every day. Because John tells us, we haven't seen God, but the Son of God, Jesus, makes him known to us. 
And his birth and his death do proclaim a lot about God's love and mercy. But Jesus' everyday life proclaims even more, particularly about the work that we are called to be about as Christ followers. Are we leaving that behind? Back when he had the Colbert Report, Stephen Colbert, a late-night comedian, made this comment about a Christian nation. And he is an American. I do apologize. But I feel like the truth carries over to Canada. If this is going to be a Christian nation that doesn't help the poor, either we have to pretend that Jesus was just as selfish as we are, or we've got to acknowledge that he commanded us to love the poor and serve the needy without condition, and then admit that we just don't want to do it. As we look at our New Year's resolutions, how many of them are about serving the poor? How many of them are about giving back to our churches and communities? How many of them are about walking in the footsteps of Jesus? Not just for the first week or the first month of the year, but every day. How do we shift our focus from just these highlights, these mountaintop experiences of the Christian year, of Christmas and Easter, to the everyday faithfulness of walking with God, of receiving what it truly meant for Jesus to be born in that manger. It's at that point we get to move into the second part of this passage. That we get to move into the grace. And in this section is probably one of my all-time favorite verses in Scripture. Grace upon grace. From his fullness, we all have received grace upon grace. I had some time this week, so I was able to dust off all of my old Greek lectionaries and Bibles and spend some time sitting in the original language of this passage. And that phrase can be interpreted a couple different ways. It can be grace upon grace. It can also be grace in place of or instead of grace. And I want us to spend a couple minutes reflecting on both of those possible meanings. If it is grace instead of grace, we get to look at kind of the chronology, the timeline of our relationship with God. 
Jesus, who was with God when the heavens were created, were offering grace to the people they created through all of the Old Testament. God was faithful to all of his people. They just couldn't always accept it. The law was hard, and they couldn't keep it. But it was still a grace that God was with his people. In place of that, Jesus came and offered additional grace. And that we didn't have to try to do it right. We didn't have to keep the law perfectly because humanity had already proven that we couldn't. We just had to receive Jesus. We just had to acknowledge that that baby born in the manger was also the God of the universe and called us back to our true identities as children of God. But then if we look at it as grace upon grace, we're reminded of the multitude of grace we get. Of that year after year, even if we fail, we get more grace as God's children. God doesn't come back to us and say, oh, you only made it two months and stick into that Bible reading plan. Sorry. God said, you are my child and my grace is sufficient that if you receive me, you can claim that title, child of God. How beautiful is that reassurance? That even if we walk away from the manger and Jesus is still there, we can always come back and get him again. We can say, all right, I got distracted. I got caught up in my own life. But Jesus, here and now, I want you. Will you walk with me? And God is going to be there. And in those moments where all of the secular pressure is around us to lose weight, to have money, to succeed in our jobs, to mend relationships, to form relationships, when those are overwhelming, we can come back to the manger And be reminded that we are more than that. Because our identity is not in the things that we own or in the things that we do. But is in the grace that is offered through Jesus Christ to be a child of God. And being a child of God does entail us going and doing those things that Jesus did, of serving the needy, of helping the poor. But being a child of God also means that there is grace 
when we fail to do so. It also means that there is grace in the gift of the Holy Spirit to be continually transforming our hearts so that what is difficult for us today might be a little bit easier tomorrow and the next day. And that as long as we keep our hearts open, that grace is going to continue to work to transform us to be more like our Father, to be more like God. What grace, what amazing grace. So I have a challenge for you, a New Year's resolution. And it's not mine. I borrowed it from the Working Preacher blog. And he acknowledged, David Luce, the one who wrote it, that it might feel a little odd, but we're going to go for it. He invited pastors to challenge their congregations to say this line to themselves every day, to say, I am God's child, deserving of love and respect, and God will use me to change the world. If instead of worrying about going to the gym every day, we made sure that at some point in our day we said that to ourselves, what change would it make, I wonder? If every day we grew more confident in our identity as a child of God and we made our hearts a little bit more willing to allow God to use us to change the world, but we also were more confident that God would use us to change the world. Would our Christian communities perhaps not be more successful in serving the needy? So I want us to say this together. I'll invite you to repeat after me. I am God's child. Deserving of love and respect. And God will use me to change the world. Amen. Amen. May it be so. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the celebration of Christmas that we have, that you sent yourself in the form of a baby to come to the world that you created to show us more of who you are. Lord, we pray that on those days where we have drifted away from your presence, on the days that we have left you as a small baby and are not carrying forward the truth of who you were in your entirety. Lord, may your spirit challenge our hearts. May we be open to your transforming power. And every day, Lord, may we be confident of the grace that you bestow upon your children. Lord, as we go forth, may we carry that grace with us.
and may it fill us with the confidence of your love and your mercy every day. It is in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.